0: Welcome back to the Fight Talk Podcast. I'm Steven Jensen. Today, my guest is Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com fame. He is basically the face of Fightful, uh, involved with everything. Over there at Fightful, you can get great, great, great content when it comes to professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, and boxing. I'm a part of the team as far as the Fightful Select uh, service goes. I do the Fightful Select Weekender podcast covering all the stuff going on in the pro wrestling world outside the WWE, so you can check that out once again at FightfulSelect.com. Today's episode, me and Sean talk about his career, kind of how he got started, how Fightful became a thing. Uh, We're going to be talking about every major professional wrestling company. We're going to be talking some indie stars, uh, some potential indie stars, you know, and some indie talent that's going on to bigger and better things. We're going to talk about the major promotions like WWE. We're going to talk Ring of Honor, Impact, a little bit of everything here on this episode. So... Without any further ado, kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Fight Talk podcast with me and Sean Ross out from Fightful.com.
1: I know you started with like Wrestling Inc, right? Wasn't that the... I I actually started with one wrestling, Bill After's website, like nine years ago, and I, I had short stints at what culture, rant sports, uh, fan-sided, places like that. But I, I was at One Wrestling basically as, as an intern, as a contributor for several years, and I had short stints elsewhere, uh, ran my own blog for a while to kind of build up samples. But yeah, Wrestling Inc. is where I really got into wrestling media full-time, and MMA media for that matter. I, I covered a lot of MMA for them as well.
0: So what kind of got you into this world? Like I know you've done like some independent wrestling and stuff like that also. Yeah. So like what, I guess kind of, how did that all happen? Like, uh, did it, cause like for me, like I started k- same kind of route, like fan sided that kind of stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. it just kind of like opportunities continue to come because it was like, Hey, we noticed your, your hard work. Like we have yeah. a spot here. Is that kind of how that worked out for you as well?
1: Sort of. I had to beat down a lot of doors. Uh, I, I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to be a fighter, and I wanted to be a fighter because I was too small to be a wrestler 10, 15 years ago. That's the thing. Like, and today it's so commonplace on the independent circuit to be. I think at the time I was one sixty-five or one seventy, cutting down to like one four. I remember the grappling tournament near me was like one forty-nine. It was such a weird weight division. But I would do that, and I would train and all that, and. That to me, that supplemented my knowledge for what I do now. And I still train here and there to to stay sharp. That way I have an idea of what I'm doing. But around uh, 2010, I was like, I need to give media a try because I I would look around and I would say, I think I can do that. I think I can do it better than this person. I think I can do it as good as this person. And one of those people who I said that to directly was like, well then do it, go ahead, try it because maybe you can. And I fell in love with it. I really liked it. But it really it wasn't until 2014, 2015 that I made it like a full-time living. Uh, 2014 was the year I was able to not do anything but write. And uh, that, that took a while. It took a lot of dedication. And I had to finally get off my ass and get out of my own way to do that and not be afraid of falling on my face anymore. What were you doing like as like a job like before that? I would do a lot of different things. I taught kickboxing. I managed a fight team, uh, the local gym that I I competed on for, for their fight team and grappling team. I did their social media. I did promotions for them. I would do commentary. I did fight coordination backstage, uh, for various things. Uh, so I was from about 2010 to 2014. It wasn't full time money, but I was involved full time in MMA, pro wrestling to some degree, whether it be uh, taking bookings or or doing these various things or making posters, which were terrible, by the way, (laughs) miserable looking posters. Can't believe somebody gave me money for that, but uh, I would do various things. and, And that helped me too. like, honestly, kickboxing, teaching kickboxing was one of my primary jobs. Uh, for a while, but before that, I, I worked at the Boys and Girls Club of America and uh, worked at a GNC, and that just it just wasn't for me.
0: I know that feeling. I've worked a lot of retail throughout the years, um, yeah. just because you know you gotta got do what you gotta do. But you're you're like sitting behind a desk sometimes, and you're like, man, I really yeah. wish like there's like news coming through, and you're like, man, I wish I could just like be talking about wrestling, you're talking about fighting right now, and it gets all frustrating. But you gotta keep the eye on the prize, man. And obviously, you did that because fightful became a thing uh jimmy van founded it and then the two of y'all how did that happen like how did y'all link up to like create what is now in my opinion in my somewhat biased opinion the best you know the best outlet for professional wrestling out there
1: i i appreciate it i mean our mma and boxing sides are still coming along carlos toro does unbelievable boxing work and i think if we could get that on the mma side things would uh work out really well, but we've, we've had guys like, uh, Elias Theodoru, Sean Pearson, showdown, Joe, uh, James Lynch, all involved. And it's funny because uh, when, when we had our top news person, we had a couple of our, our, news people, news writers and, uh, interviewers leave, I reached out to probably two or three people and all of them that I didn't hire got hired by like MMA junkie or MMA fighting or places like that. So, I mean. It, we're seeing a lot of chips fall there but as far as pro wrestling I think we do that better than anybody and I'm not shy about saying that I work really really hard and uh, Andrew and Jeremy also work really hard I love the way we have that set up we have a, a little bit of everything over there so uh, I I'm so proud of how that that's went down
0: and like how did you and Jimmy like link up like how did that even happen
1: <laughs> so I, I don't know if I've told this story in this detail but In January, 2016, I was becoming more well-known. I also sold ads for the other website for another website I was at to the point to where the amount that they got, I think it it was a pretty good cut, like 60, 40. And I got to keep 40 and that's pretty good for a website like that, but they wouldn't have had those if not for me. And I basically paid for myself there. I paid for the podcasting work and the writing work that I was doing there via the ads that I sold. And I knew that because I knew how much money was coming in. I wanted to improve my situation, and I was told that I couldn't get a guarantee there. So I was like, okay, time to shop myself around. And I had the inquiry letter, letter written for the Wrestle Zones and uh, 411 Manias and uh, Wrestling Observers and all of those places that I was about to reach out to for a, a new job. And Jimmy Van hit me up about possibly freelancing and contributing. I'd run into some trouble at my previous job about writing about wrestling for other places. I couldn't get a guarantee, but I also couldn't write for other places. Oh sure. And keep retain that spot. So I was like, hey, I would have to be exclusive. And he was like, okay, how about managing editor? I like what you do. And uh, the irony of all that, I worked for Bill Actor for free all those years. Bill Actor recommended me for this job that I have now. Oh wow. So like a lot of people I Hey, I I don't encourage anybody to write for free. If somebody hits me up and says, hey, I'll write for free, I'll let them. But you never know what that can do. And Bill After, me writing for him for all that time, him endorsing me to Jimmy Van was very important. And that's how I got that job. Jimmy Van reached out cold and offered it to me. And that that was about three years ago, uh, probably last month. That's a crazy story, man. That's awesome. Yeah, the funny thing is when I was a kid I loved the Blue Jays. I played for a Blue Jays little league team and they had the the fancy new stadium in Major League Baseball, the first retractable roof. And I'm not a traveler, but the place I always said I wanted to travel to was Toronto. And it's just so wild if that's how it happens and now now I go there every year and Jimmy Van made it happen. Jimmy Van, uh, this is not his primary thing. He's he runs a very successful business. And he used to cover pro wrestling full time and wanted to see pro wrestling covered in, um, in a certain way. And he and I were on the exact same page with so much of that. He doesn't like clickbait. He likes good original content and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really awesome. I couldn't ask for a better situation.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm, I love what you guys do, and I love being, you know, just a small part of it over at Fightful Select, like, doing the weekend or podcast. I get a lot of uh, enjoyment out of that, and, you know, all the YouTube stuff you guys have been doing. I think that's been great, like, because you guys, what I think separates y'all, I mean, you see a lot, of, a lot of different outlets that use YouTube, but I think what separates you guys is, like, the immediate feedback on YouTube about events, and, like, the in-depth, like, how in-depth you guys go in this stuff. Like, Raw ends, and then, like, Five ten 10 minutes later, it's you and Alex, you, someone else, and you guys are going through the show and you guys have gained a, quite the audience there where there's a lot of interaction in the chat throughout. And, um, can you explain kind of the growth of that? Was it just a, a matter of just, just grinding and then building that fan
1: base? Yeah. Like I remember if we had about 300 live, that'd be good. Now it's more like six, hundred, eight hundred live sometimes. And we do not have the SEO power of a wrestle zone of a wrestling Inc of on the MMA side, sure dog and all these places that have been around for decades. We have had to build that from the ground up. And let me tell you, that is not easy. That is very, very difficult. Fortunately, I did have a YouTube following from wrestling Inc and, um, you know, live they they're the only other wrestling website, major wrestling website that goes live as well. And we go head to head a lot, and they usually uh, like they usually have more live, but uh, sometimes it goes back and forth with with the overall viewers. It, it's I think it's great because they're with Alex. Alex was completely unknown from that perspective. He had no exposure. I, I picked him up because he was a very entertaining writer, but we had a good uh, good chemistry because. He represents a little bit more of the traditional fan that you'll see on the internet that is stereotyped a- a- in his opinions. And based on my experience and talking to wrestlers and all that stuff, I'm kind of able to counteract that with something that I think is grounded in a little more realism. Does that mean I won't go off on things? No. And I think <laughs> that's what our audience appreciates is the fact that I'm going to be honest with them. Alex is going to be honest with them, whether or not you agree with our opinions. We're not going to, we're not going to cape for a company or a wrestler or anything like that. Uh, I think honesty is the most important thing and being colorful. We can be professional, but we can be entertaining too. I mean, I, I, I think if you're not having fun covering pro wrestling, man, you're you're probably in the wrong line of work. Uh, it's, it's just, it's the most fun job I could possibly have. So I'm like, why can't I have fun on a post show? Why can't I entertain on a post show while still bringing news? I know it's a long-winded answer, but I think that's that's a big part of it.
0: Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think you guys are entertaining as hell, man. Like it's, especially when there's something that you guys dislike, because I think it's funny just seeing you guys' reactions. Like a uh, big example, and we don't have to dive into it because I know you've talked about it plenty. But like the wild card rule on WWE, like oh. when, I know, <laughs> I know. But I feel the same way as you guys. So it's one of those things that's like it's good to see people who cover on a major outlet express the same thing that like the common fan is thinking because i watched raw this past week i hadn't watched in a couple weeks i just been kind of i usually just listen to you guys' recaps at this point when it yeah. comes to wwe shows and i watched raw this past week it was a great show i, I really enjoyed yeah. it um but i'm sitting there going like wait wasn't the rule four wow like and it's like we're at like eight nine something at this point it just doesn't make any sense so it's one of those things where like i i i appreciate your guys's honesty and your actual personal feelings on this stuff versus just some like blanket statement about you know just trying to save face kind of stuff you know
1: yeah and and people are like oh are you worried that WWE is going to pull access and i'm thinking access to what (laughs) we don't get to interview their wrestlers we don't get they occasionally they'll hit us up with comps to their show which uh, is hit or miss at best we get we get access to impact talent here and there and mlw talent and aew talent here and there but to me if you slant your coverage people will understand it it's the same thing with making up news and you'll always have those people that are saying you're making it up you don't actually talk to anybody whatever i mean my god our track record on fightful we've got hundreds of interviews that people don't think that at least some of those people don't stay in contact with us i don't know what they're thinking but there's no benefit of sugarcoating things. There's no benefit of being uh, dishonest. And there's no benefit of making stuff up if you want a long-term career in uh, wrestling news. It's just not its not feasible. It might work for a little while, but theres no, I want to do this for decades. I want to do this until I'm in my 70s or 80s or something because I love wrestling. And if you're not honest and you make stuff up, there's no long-term place for you yeah i couldn't or agree or at the very least there won't be by the time fightful's over cuz that's kind of that's kind of our goal is to flush out all the bad shit and bring in the good stuff
0: how how did you kind of uh obviously i'm not asking for your sources i would never do that but like how did you kind of form a relationship with people to get you that kind of news you know what i mean to so get such reliable news
1: well it's so funny because it used to be it was people that i had spoken to and like, maybe they'd keep my phone number or something like that. The thing is, I almost never reach out to someone, especially via text, first. If I if I see they've kept my number or something or they have my number and they'll message me about stuff, that's how it'll happen. There have been people that just reach out to me cold in WWE, in AEW, in Ring of Honor, and, and, feed, and feed me information. Or they'll just chat me up about something. Uh, there are real weird situations where I've developed relationships with people from TV companies Mm. and people from distributors that I had no idea. And they're like, yeah, I watch your show. Uh, I had one person reach out to me last summer and they started to send me some very, very good information that I had to quite frankly, most of the time I get information it's from somebody with a blue check mark on Twitter. And I don't have to follow up that much on who they are. This person I had to follow up with three or four people, and I'm like, why are you doing this? And they were like, well, I saw you did some charity work for something, and I thought that was really nice, so I'm going to give you this info. I was like, well, holy shit. That's pretty cool. Um, that's nice. Like, you never know how it will really develop when, when you get to a certain point. But, I mean, they're, they're – I don't want to put the outlet on blast, but they're not necessarily a reputable outlet but there was one specific act that I noticed they had some really good news with because I also had information on that act. I reached out and I was like, Hey, let's get on the same page here. Who is, who is your source? And the sources were very close to one another. And like, even though they're not the most reputable outlet out there, I noticed they had some real good info about this particular, this particular situation. So, you just never know who, especially in a social media era, Stephen. I couldn't have done this job without social media. I would not have been able to via phone or letter or whatever the hell people used to use telegram, social media, man, it, it goes such a long way. And, and it helps out big time because I don't think a lot of these people would have called me up if they didn't have the option to text me. I think that, I think that was a big part of it is just accessibility
0: for those of you who don't know who are listening to this, you know, like, I have, just for instance, I have a really good friend who works for the New Orleans Pelicans. He's one of their broadcast managers. And every now and then he'll hit me with, like, some NBA news that hasn't broken yet. He knows I'm not going to say anything about it because I'm not. Are they going to offer Maysville,
1: Kentucky's (laughs) Darius Miller, a max deal?
0: I want it. The the reason I bring that up is because um, I learned from him sometimes the best sources are people you would never ever expect because for him a lot of the time someone who's doing graphic editing someone who's putting together um like a video package for a potential trade that's how he'll find out because they have to know ahead of time to put together graphics to put up on you know espn and various outlets so they have to have them ready to go already before the trade actually goes through so every now and then like just you just never know where, where this information is coming from uh sometimes you think like oh yeah, like, you know, someone in Vincent Man's circle is giving the news. No, it's probably some dude that's yeah. that's actually like doing video editing at a very low level. That's just like, hey man, I just made this graphic about this and uh, probably nobody knows about it yet.
1: Yeah, on a weekly basis, I'll talk to wrestlers, I'll talk to employees, agents, writers, uh, people that are higher up, uh, managers, valets, uh, people at Full sale, even, uh, people that work for NXT, like they're There are no shortage of people that are willing to talk. And the thing is, like, I've encouraged them to start saying, like, nice things now. Because everybody's like, oh, well, people report uh, negative news all the time. Well, generally, if people are willing to talk, they've got a grievance to air. So I've encouraged people. I'm like, hey, if somebody's going above and beyond to be awesome, tell me about that, too. I'm, Stan Twitter will jump all over positive news about one of their favorite wrestlers. I love that stuff. So... Hopefully we get some more of that, but yeah, there, there are people across all forms of that, uh, of that company, or that company in particular, WDB that will, that will talk.
0: Got one more question for you before I want to jump into like some actual wrestling stuff here in a second. Uh, but what would sure. you, what kind of, uh, I guess what would be like the biggest advice you can give to somebody who's looking to do what you do? Like, or not necessarily like, you know, be the face of a wrestling website, but just be involved. That is, you know, it's maybe a lifelong dream of theirs and they just don't know how to get a foot in the
1: door. Create content. That is the most important thing that I I could ever tell somebody. I've had so many people that um, they're like, oh, I'm starting out. What do I do? Create content. Make your own blog. Make a Patreon. Even if it doesn't have any, if it has no subscribers, every single person can get a Patreon and at least have a place to host what they do. Uh, you can get a uh, Facebook. you can uh, post things on there. you can work your social media skills there. You can get a YouTube. you can create video podcasts. almost everything. every single person has a uh, almost I don't want to uh, insinuate my situation on everybody. Almost everybody has a webcam or some sort of mic. and you know what there there are places like Fightful. If your mic quality isn't the hottest, we'll send you a mic. We'll get it we'll get it taken care of once you you work for us. Uh, don't be self-conscious about that. Worry about the content itself. Worry about, worry about that and, and create different types of stuff. Step out. Uh, do things that nobody else is doing, but also do the things that everybody else is doing too. Show that you can news write, Show that you can write a column. Show that you can do an inter- interview. Show that you can transcribe something in a competent manner. Show that you can do a podcast. Edit a podcast. The more versatile you are, the more attractive you are to a website.
0: And for those of you listening to this, just a little backstory on how me and Sean met each other, um, and I got um in with Fightful to do their weekend or podcast. Basically, I was doing this Fight Talk podcast that, that we're recording currently. I was doing this for, for years, just in just independent wrestling interviews, anybody that would that would give me a time of day that was involved with wrestling or MMA, I would I would interview them. And eventually I started just transcribing some of those interviews for free, sent them over to Sean. He was like, these are pretty cool. I'll, I'll use some of these. And, you know, the next thing I know, a yeah. couple of my articles are up on Python. Once again, a completely free thing, but showing that, like, I was already doing this and, and trying to trying to get a foot in the door. Um, we had a mutual friend, Matt from WrestleRumble.com, one of the great sponsors yeah. of this podcast. And he had always talked up Sean to me. He would always say like, "Hey, you really ought to get to know this guy. Like, he's very similar to you. Like, you guys are into a lot of the same stuff, and I was and you guys look similar, which is kind of funny too. Got like the, <laughs> the hair going and all that stuff." So yeah. I was like, "I was like, yeah, man, for sure." Um, and then before I knew it, um, you had just tweeted out, "Hey, I'm looking for somebody new to do this weekend or podcast," and I hit you up and said, "Hey, here's um, here's my a link to my podcast feed." And you checked it out. And then one thing led to another and we're doing it. But the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of people out there who want to do these kind of things just think like, oh, well, eventually something will open up and I'll just like jump in. And it's like, well, but be, be doing it. Right. Like you got to like be, be like be doing it. Cause when you get the opportunity, you're already prepared, you're ready to
1: go. And yeah. I
0: think that's just so important.
1: Yeah. And for that situation in particular, like, I would love to still do the weekend or I don't have the man hours to do the weekend or, you know, how much content you cover on there. I mean, you do, uh, beyond wrestling, you do uh, like PWG stuff here and there, new Japan, AEW ring of honor impact. Like it was getting hard for me to watch on that schedule. And for anyone that covers that, that is, you can instantly say, man, I cover that weekly and our outlet covers that weekly and it's everything. That was my thing is I wanted to cover as much stuff as possible but I realized I couldn't do it all. So having people that are competent and can cover that. And like, if I need you to, you can step onto an MMA podcast. Versatility is really important. Having that range is really important. Being able to do podcasting and transcribing and writing, that stuff is really important and something that is, it's valuable in, in media. Like where I went to school, I started off and it was multimedia journalism. Now it's not even called journalism. It's called convergent media because they want you to do everything and uh that's that's the way to go about it
0: well jumping into a little bit of wrestling stuff I want to get your opinion as I mean as a fan I guess what what do you think of just like the over I know it's a long it's a loaded question but what do you think (laughs) of like the overall situation with the WWE right now like do you think they're in in a position right now where they need to be reacting to like the buzz that AEW is creating Mm -hmm. and the and like the the how strong the indie scene is right now? Like, is this something where they really need to be like focusing on changing their product? Or is this something where they're already the machine and they're just going to stick with what they're doing and you think it's just going to kind of just keep being the status quo?
1: Well, considering their stock is down about 25% from the 52-week high that they enjoyed a couple months ago, yeah, I do think they should. Quality uh, brings, brings money. Quality brings eyes. Quality brings all that. There are certain things I think they've done really well, like building Kofi Kingston. I think his build and uh, implementation has been nothing short of outstanding. But then you got the wild card that was a slap in the face to everybody who sat through those superstar shakeup shows. It was a slap in the face to everybody who sat through uh, any of the draft shows. Like there are some things that WWE still does that insults the intelligence of fans. Twenty four seven title. They rebounded for that thing, or rebounded from that thing, and that miserable introduction—one of the all-time worst championship introductions I have ever seen—and they have made it a, a runaway success on their digital platforms. That stuff just—it's it, amazing how popular it is. So, I mean, there are things that they're doing that, that are, are great, at least uh, according to the masses and according to me in a lot of regards with the Kobe Kingston thing. But it, it's a matter of being consistent. It's a matter of consistently producing good content. Uh, and consistency is key. And that's not something that WWE has, has been the greatest with.
0: I've also heard you mention, you know, that you don't want the brand split to end for various reasons. Like as yeah. far as, um, I know you've cited things such as like SmackDown kind of, be well, is going to be seen as the B-show. and. And they pretty much just retread things from Raw over to SmackDown when there's one roster and those kind of things. But as a fan, it's also one of the things from like my perspective where I'm like, I don't even know who's on what show at this point. Like, I really yeah. I really don't. So it, it's almost like there already is one roster. So it's almost like what's the point of differentiating it when like when you turn on Raw or SmackDown, you really are going to see everybody anyways. It, it's such a weird, confusing situation they're in right now.
1: Hey, if WWE could combine the rosters and have a couple of shows like they did this week, every week, I'd be fine with that. The only thing is WWE has a proven track record of treating SmackDown like the B-Show from uh, the the time that, I mean, my God, even, even when it was, there was a roster split in the late 2000s, it happened. Uh, I mean, hey, if it was like 1999 and 2000, I'd be all right with that. That was consistently entertaining, but there was a lot, it was a lot different of a landscape back then as well, but from the super show era, oh my God, we saw, (laughs) I, I covered those shows and it was always the same thing. You would have a Dean Ambrose match every week that did not matter and just wasn't important and it was the same thing and they wouldn't even mention it the following Monday. They would never mention SmackDown. I like the idea that they have so much content and so much talent that they have to create their own competition. I think that's very important. And uh, if if they're going to let some talent go, sure, combine the rosters. But there's no reason for EC3 to not be doing anything. There's no reason for AOP to barely be on the show when their guys have been healthy for a while. Uh, they, they Lately, they've used their talent a little bit better. They, they've gotten them on the show, but. I have not seen anything consistently that proves that, that they'll continue to do that.
0: What do you think about kind of like the, uh, the, the state of independent wrestling right now? Because I think that as far as like outside the WWE, it's never looked better. Like or more attractive for, for somebody just to take a chance on them, on themselves, especially with, uh, I guess kind of how big even like merchandise has gotten over the last few years, like wrestlers all having their own t-shirts and stuff that people are actually willing to buy and support these guys. And, and the, uh, the promoters being able to actually pay them a bit more money to kind of do it more full time. What's kind of your view on like the current state of the Indies right now?
1: Well, that's a question I'll kind of have to say for the end of the year. I mean, I can tell you how I feel about how, where it's going because there is, uh, the, it's it's going to face a major shift. MJF and the Young Bucks, and uh, like the Young Bucks at, at, at a high level. MJF was a pretty affordable guy for so many different independent promotions. He's gone. Joey Janela, he's gone. This fall, they're not around anymore. All those AEW people that were taking up so many of those indie bookings are, are gone. And you can say what you want about Joey Ryan and what offers he did or didn't have. I was saying a couple, like a month ago, Like, if I were him, I wouldn't go to AEW. I wouldn't go to WWE because these indies got to book somebody. And there aren't a ton of big names out there that are left for these independent promotions to book. There's a whole lot of talent. But PWG doesn't necessarily have the buzz that it did two years ago because so much of their talent is gone. Like, so much of it had to fill out NXT and NXT UK and had to fill out Impact's roster and ROH's roster and New Japan and AEW and MLW, all these different places, and you got to look at these places. Like ROH isn't an indie anymore; they, they're owned by Sinclair. MLW is on TV and YouTube every week. Are they an indie? Well, they've got a bunch of indie wrestlers. AEW is not an indie. New Japan's not an indie, but they're all comprised of these indie talents that took up so many of the bookings. So that is just a fascinating aspect of pro wrestling. That I think is going to get answered uh, a lot more once October rolls around.
0: That's actually a great answer, by the way. Like that's that's a really good way of looking at it. I think because who's going to step up? Well, I think there are a lot of people that could. It's just a matter of like what kind of exposure can they get to become a star on on that level, because like for like independentwrestling.tv I think that's one of the best things to happen to independent wrestling in a long time uh because you have so many different promotions and it's a lot of overlap a lot of the same people you'll see on a lot of the various shows on that platform um but like you said there are some stand some standout names there that are no longer going to be there anymore so how how are they going to make it work I will say I, I see man it's I'll go to a you know I, I talk about Southern Underground Pro a lot on the weekender because it's it's a promotion that runs you know ten minutes for me once every two months and yeah and they have such great talent but like you just said about half of those people will probably not be available uh, soon like Marco Stunt um and those kind of guys like they're they're gonna get what are your what's your opinion on him by the way like
1: in particular Marco okay. Stunt I like him I think that he looks different than everybody I mean. You're going to have a bunch of doofuses that are like, oh, my God, he looks like a middle school boy. That's the point. <laughs> right. That's the point is that he looks like a middle school boy, but he can manage to do something amazing and kick you out, kick your ass and put you flat on your back. That's the appeal of a Marco stunt. Not everybody can look the same. Also, uh, Joey Janella hit like an fu on him during an interview that I did with him. And that was <laughs> that was that was kind of cool. Uh, I think Marco Stunt is fantastic. If you can stand out in pro wrestling, you're already, you've are already you already got a leg up. He stands out in pro wrestling. I'll never forget when he showed up at that, that Janella show in, in the crowd or from the crowd, and I hadn't seen his SCI stuff. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. It made an impression on me. I, I love Marco Stunt. Dude, you got to make it out to the SCI this year, man. In Chattanooga, you're close enough I, to make the drive. I am. I am. I might do that if, Hey, if I can get some hey, anywhere that will give me a few sit-down talent interviews on video for like fifteen twenty minutes, I'll probably hit up. I mean, it, within a reasonable range because I'm looking to do that more.
0: Well, you know Dylan Hales, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he pretty much runs the SCI. He's a super accessible guy. Um, I highly rec- highly recommend it, man. I I have no financial stake in that tournament, but I'm a huge fan of yeah. what they do every year. Um, and this year's uh this year's bracket is stacked, so. It should be a really good tournament. Um, have you seen Marco's brother Logan work yet? I have.
1: I actually, have watched him work. It's it's amazing that there are two of them. <laughs> right.
0: Well, I actually think he's. Uh, I, I can't say better than Marco, but he has a different kind of skill set. Like he's a legitimate, yeah. you know, MMA. Like does jitsu that kind of stuff. Um, really good kicks and submissions and stuff like that. So uh, I think at some point the two of them as a tag team will will
1: be really interesting. I, I think it. <laughs> I do think it's hilarious because it's like they have the the heart foundation aspect of having two completely different styles, but they're both like the this, this similar size. <laughs> right. Like you don't have an anvil on that team. <laughs> right. You don't even have a Brett on that team as far as size goes. You have <laughs> two of them combined and you've got a Brett. But I think that's cool. I think that's different. Like I said, stand out in pro wrestling, especially uh, outside of WWE, if you can do that. Look at what that did for Dalton Castle. Beyond his... His outstanding athletic gifts. He was different than every single thing in Ring of Honor. And so was Silas Young. He was different than everything in Ring of Honor. And they had one of the best feuds in that company's history, I thought, because they were different than everybody else. And it, it really took center stage for a while. I, I
0: totally agree. I've, I've liked Silas Young for a long time, too. He's somebody that I feel like still hasn't really uh, really hasn't peaked yet as far as like you know his popularity and stuff. I feel like there's still a lot that
1: can be done with him he's one of the guys that I will always request to interview in character because almost anything like I'm not, not knocking like what goes on behind the scenes or in his life or anything, but I don't know if there's anything that I could get out of him that would be better than an interview in character. Like uh, with Matt Hardy, I would, I would always ask to interview him as bro or broken Matt or big money Matt. Like that's, I just think that would be better. And that being said, Matt could give me all kinds of good stuff that's happened behind the scenes in his life and career. But there are certain guys like that that you just want and you want what comes out on the screen. Like for Silas, and for, like, I would do bro or no with Robbie E and DDP and Vince Russo and Matt Riddle where they would tell me if people were bros or if they weren't. With Silas, we would do manly or not manly. And <laughs> he, would, he would talk about if man buns were manly. Or if uh, certain wrestlers were manly. Like, really, really accentuate their characters and what they can bring you from a headline perspective. And Silas is great with that. Another
0: guy that, I don't know if you asked him or not, I don't think I've ever seen an interview where he wasn't in character. You mentioned MJF, um, who's somebody... a
1: character. He is a piece <laughs> of trash.
0: Dude, for anybody that, like, that may not be aware of, like, how... how closely he sticks to whether that's a character or who he really is um i've had experiences with him as well like completely unrecorded um like walking up to him and talking to him for a couple minutes and he treats me the same as you would expect him to treat the pro (laughs) wrestling crowd you know while he's in the ring it's but it's actually refreshing to have somebody like that around who like is really that committed to just being
1: a a legitimate heel the thing is if If he's not a dickhead, you will never find out about it if you're a wrestling fan. That's the thing. He will never let you know about it. If he has any idea that something is being recorded, if you are out in public, he acts that way all the time. We did not have a camera on, and we walked by a bar in the MGM, and he waited until an AEW fan noticed him, and then he stared the guy down and told him to fuck himself. (laughs) a distance of like 25 feet it was when the thing is cameras weren't rolling i'm toting around camera equipment he's like okay we'll do this interview in my damn hotel room and then he walks me all the way around the mgm the longest possible route that we could have taken this is not me making something up he did this to me he took me to the wrong floor (laughs) and pretended like a hotel room that wasn't his was his and then we finally went up to the real one. It was uh, it's MJF.
0: I mean, even if you've seen his uh his Rosie O'Donnell appearance doing the you are my sunshine, <laughs> he's kind of like that kid even then, like he's sitting on the couch and like Rosie's like, "Hey, it's Max, it's it's really nice to meet you." And he's like, "Yep." You know, like he isn't sure is. he isn't he isn't like, "Thank you." He's like, "Yep."
1: Yep. That's MJF,
0: man. <laughs> um anyone else come to mind as far as like maybe whether they're like AEW bound or not, like some maybe lesser known um, pro wrestling talent that you got your eye on that
1: maybe people don't know so much about? The name that I always point out when people are like, "Why? who can you believe is not signed, or who can't you believe isn't signed? I always point to Ivelisse from Lucha Underground and she was in Tough Enough and uh, FCW. There were rumors that she had attitude issues back in the day, but you got to remember that a lot of those attitude issues were when she was working under or perceived attitude issues, is when she was working under Bill DeMott, and she was outspoken about him, and as it turns out, completely right about him. And one of the things that rubbed a lot of people in FCW the wrong way was the fact that she wanted women's wrestling to be taken more seriously. Now, I can tell you I've never had a negative experience with her. She's been positive. She has MMA uh, training experience. That goes a long way today. Uh, That's a name that I look forward to. I'll give you a name that not a lot of people will even know, but you probably will. Uh, I don't know when this goes up, but she fights in the UFC this weekend. Shiri Kondo. Mm, yeah. If she loses her fight and gets bounced from the UFC, she's got to be on Blood the next Bloodsport show. Like I don't know why she wouldn't be. Like if, if she can do that, and she's fighting in North Carolina, so I assume she's good to work here. I don't think she's hanging out on a tourist visa or anything. That's a name that I would look at, look for because she's got CMLL experience. That's a name that I look forward to and seeing her do a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, th- those are the two that stand. And Mercedes Martinez. I don't know why WWE doesn't sign Mercedes Martinez and Eva Ivelisse as a tag team yesterday.
0: Sure. Very great answers. Also want to get your opinion because we, we kind of brushed on it a minute ago. Like uh, with AEW starting up. And, you know, obviously a lot of these talents going that way and in such a buzz that they've created in such a short amount of time. What do you think the future holds for companies like Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling?
1: I always thought that Impact was going to be the victim of AEW. But based on the way that they performed and the way that they've done things, it might be Ring of Honor. Right, And that's wild because they, they are in a much more financially stable position. They're, even though their live event numbers are allegedly down, they're at least drawing them. They, they at least have a streaming presence. They are owned by a major broadcast company, but from a talent perspective, I think ring of honor and the exclusivity and their contracts and, uh, all that is a little, oh, man, maybe I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you've got impact where you can work a few times a month, maybe, and get national exposure. Or Ring of Honor, where you're strict to them, you don't know where they're gonna be. You kind of know where Impact's gonna be, where they've been the last year or so, and you can still take your indie dates. I that that's another one that I'm like I I gotta see where the chips fall in October.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and like through covering Impact, Ring of Honor on the weekend, or like there's it's so hit or miss these shows. Like like I, I I don't understand. Maybe you have some some perspective on it, but like I don't understand how like Impact can still be in like the same spot that they've been in for so long, like through like all the management changes and like all the good talent that goes through there, like, do you, like what what are kind of your thoughts on that? Like I feel like they're in the same place they were, you know, two years ago.
1: I I think they're in a worse place, uh, maybe a worse place than two years ago, uh, just because of their television. I don't know how they still operate. I don't know how I don't know how they have money coming in. I'm not sure. I don't I don't understand how that works. And I mean, what well, we we've, we've seen a lot of their people ask for raises and ask out of their deals because they're not getting paid that much. And a lot of people seem to think that impact wrestlers because they, you know, they used to be TNA and they used to have Hulk Hogan that they should be paid like six figures. They're also not working that many days a month. Unless you're working in that office, you're probably not exactly working a ton there. It's hard for me to understand how the business continues to operate because I'm not on that side and I can only take what I hear from people in the company. I just don't know how they're still around. And it's amazing how, I think Dave Meltzer said it recently that, that could have been AEW, but they, they went out of their way to be WWE and WCW light instead of being something fresh and new. Yeah,
0: I couldn't agree more. Um, and as far as like fresh and new goes, like within the WWE universe, NXT is something that like they're they're hitting it out of the park every every takeover show. Like it's completely can't miss. Um, is that something where like are you kind of on the same wavelength as most fans, where you, you kind of feel like the WWE to be able to kind of combat what AEW is going to bring to the table that they need to change the main roster product to something more similar to what uh, NXT is doing?
1: Yeah, I I do and. Uh it's like we're in such a weird time in professional wrestling right now or an interesting time. I don't know the financial ramifications or the creative ramifications that that it's going to have, but I, I the thing is like while, while I say I think they may need to do it a, a little bit similar to that, also variety is important too. The more variety there's out there, the more it, how how the thing is it's, it depends on, are you trying to appeal to a mass audience or a niche niche audience, and are you okay with appealing to that niche audience? It's, ah, man, it's, it's just so wild right now in pro wrestling.
0: Yeah, because, like, the way I look at it is, like, with the main roster in particular, if you want to call Raw and SmackDown, you know, the quote-unquote main roster, I... It's almost like they've alienated like the 18 to 35 demographic. Like they're just kind of like, well, you know what? Like we have our, we have our fans. Uh, We know there's a lot of kids that like this and watch this. This It's a PG rated show and everyone knows that going into it. But then you have this company like AEW that's literally going like, oh, you were a fan of, you know, WCW back in the day. And you stopped watching wrestling when the Monday Night Wars ended. Hey, this is for you. Check this out. We're doing something different. And I, I just, Part of me wants to see AEW. I, I know it's a long shot and probably not the best move, but like I almost want to see them just go head-to-head on Mondays just to see how much of that audience just just jumps and goes, hey, you know what? Like This is what I've been waiting for for 20 years. I'm watching this instead.
1: I do think they learn from TNA's mistakes, and they won't do that. Because if TNA drew like a, a what? Yeah. like <laughs> one million something? Maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember back then. Uh, fun fact, that was the first night I ever wrote anything about pro wrestling. But- like that was, I think they learned from that. Imagine how bad that number would be now for a competitor, because uh, I, I mean I don't see if WDB is barely getting three million. I can't imagine AEW getting a million against them on Mondays. Or maybe it would have that that reverse effect where they pop a number because it's head to head. But the thing is, if it's on TNT, it ain't gonna be Tuesday and it ain't gonna be Thursday because of uh, NBA on TNT. It. They said they're not going head-to-head with Raw. They say they're not going head-to-head with SmackDown, I believe. That leaves Wednesday or Saturday night, and you do not want to be on Saturday nights. Uh, One, you'll get a ton of WCW comparisons from that. I think Wednesdays is probably the way to go because you do have people, even if it's a negligible amount of people, that are uh, conditioned to watching wrestling on Wednesdays because of... Impact was there for, like, three weeks at one point, but uh, you have NXT and NXT UK as well. What do you feel about that NXT UK show, just, like, overall?
0: Because it's something I, like, I I enjoy, like, the takeovers and, like, their presence on the NXT takeover shows, but I haven't really been following the the week-to-week product.
1: I call it uh, WWE bearded European white guys. (laughs) Everybody looks the same, and... I don't want to say everybody wrestles the same, but everybody does look the same. And I I don't think that's great for a wrestling show to have a bunch of people who look exactly the same and are roughly the same size. Now they they do have they do have some new names over there. I mean, Walter's not new, but I mean, he looks way different than everybody else. That's cool. It's it's fine. It's I don't think it's the blow away that everybody thought it was going to be but uh i was never hot on that anyway and hey i'm not i don't think i'm the demographic either so
0: sure within the wwe universe who if it was up to you like who do you think well i don't know if you want to answer this because i know you probably know a lot of those guys or have some sort of contact but like who would you like to see kind of like pushed in the wwe like like people who are maybe being underutilized if if you kind of had your perfect main event scene who would you have in there
1: I think EC3 can deliver at an upper mid-card to main event level. I think AOP are very, very good for the amount of experience that they have. Uh, I think those are two that stand out the most. Uh, I would like to see tag team wrestling pushed as an upper mid-card type of thing because tag team wrestling can draw and can be really, really good. Anderson and Gallows are two of the most colorful personalities. You can say what you want about them in the ring. But from an entertainment standpoint, there's no reason they shouldn't be with Finn Balor or AJ Styles and excelling. Um, I would like to see angry old Shelton Benjamin just beating the living crap out of people. I would love to see a future tag team between uh, Shelton and Randy Orton as like the angry old men that just beats the crap out of people. I would love that, too. I think that those would – those are some safe names that could at least – get a better push than what they're doing. As far as a main event level, man, that one's tough because they have positioned so many people as just okay. That it's really hard to see who could, who could explode and be that next big superstar. I'd also like to see Dana Brooke get a, get a shot. I just want to see a 10 minute match with her and see what she's got. That that's it. Because of late, I've noticed that she's improved a lot in the ring. Do you think a part of the problem
0: with, with kind of the main event scene and you just mentioning like there's so many people that are just kind of viewed as not main eventers due to circumstance of you know how they've been positioned the last few years like do you think a lot of that has to do with the roman reigns push just how they kind of put all their eggs into that one basket and nobody else kind of really got to that level at the same time
1: yeah uh rollins reigns and ambrose should have been uh, almost a light version of their triple h austin and rock now none of those guys I don't think we're going to explode to that level, but then you see John Moxley right now, the hottest thing in wrestling. Uh, those guys were sacrificed at the expense of Roman Reigns. Braun Strowman was sacrificed at the expense of Roman Reigns. That's not good. That ain't good. Let Roman Reigns just be Roman Reigns, and if it doesn't work out, move on to somebody else. You force somebody down, somebody, down people's throats, it's not going to work out. Uh, and hey the viewership has diminished as a result is roman reigns over yeah he sure is but is he exactly what they wanted him to be no he's not
0: right you know in my my opinion i think that the best overall performer that the WWE has under contract is adam cole like I, i'm such a huge good. fan um of and he's so charismatic like he's just so you could put him in any situation i think the best overall worker is kyle o'reilly i freaking love kyle o'reilly
1: amazing um, worker
0: yes um so i've kind of seen it as like you know i hope they can get into a spot at some point in the near future where you know they can make adam cole like this major star because i think he can really 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 help them out and i kind of see kyle o'reilly as like a uh obviously don't take this comparison the wrong way but i see him very similar like if like chris benoit was around now with like sure. all the mma and all that stuff I feel like that's what he would look like. Like, this guy who goes 110% all the time, um, the MMA influence that he has and stuff like that, he's just such like a good utility guy, but could also main event. Um, pretty much the whole Undisputed Era. I feel the same way about Roger Strong, Bobby Fish, those dudes. So it's like, I feel like they have so much talent in, in NXT, but I'm, like, terrified of them going to the main roster because you just don't know what the heck is going to
1: happen with these guys once they do. They should be a heavily heavily protected, stable heavily. They are special. They have a special kind of charisma that doesn't necessarily need to be put forth on the mic. They are able to convey it in the ring. Uh, yeah, they, they are special. And Adam Cole, like you're always going to have people that are like, Oh, he's too small. Well, you know, the thing is, um, (laughs) he also is athletically built as we've learned from MMA. That's just the way that athletes are built. That's, that's, they're not 300-pound muscle heads on steroids. They look like Adam Cole does. And they look like Bobby Fish and Kylo Riley and Roderick Strong. And I think they have the potential to be a very special stable if protected. Now, not all of them have to be protected. You can get to them here and there, but they should be a main event level stable that can compete across multiple divisions, free bird, it, all kinds of stuff.
0: I couldn't agree more.
1: Um, Last question I got
0: for you. Thanks for all the time today, by the way, man. Yeah, of course. Much appreciated. Last question I got for you. Um, How good does it feel to see Stokely Hathaway a part of that system, man?
1: It's miserable. (laughs) It's horrible. Um, He shouldn't be there. He is a terrible person. Um, (laughs) I take great pleasure in whoever stole his CD player, having his CD player. I was going
0: to ask if it was you. That was my, my final question. I wish it
1: was me. I wish I could say it was me. Uh, if I find out who stole it, I'm going to steal it from them because he deserves it. <laughs> he deserves to get his answers, then have his world crumble around him. That's how I feel about Soakley Hathaway, if that is his real name. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what... It, like Because he's gone through like five of them at this point already, it feels yeah. like.
0: Well, Sean... Uh, get get your plugs out there man and feel free to plug blue chew if you want to also I don't know if you want to ah. uh, throw that out there you do you do the best transitions by the way like those uh people that, that's such an underrated thing that's people That's something I don't think people understand is as hard as it is because you make it look so easy but like transitioning into those um uh, those ad reads are like that's actually a, a real talent that you've got man
1: Yeah, you, you say it's hard but if you do want to make it easier to make it harder you can visit bluechew.com And use that code Fightful. But hey, Fightful.com is where we're at. We cover MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. When the Olympics roll around, we'll do some crossover stuff like with boxing and and, uh, wrestling in that regard. Uh, We'll cover submission grappling here and there. But maybe you don't like MMA, wrestling, or boxing. You can go to FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulBoxing.com, FightfulMMA.com. You contribute to us heavily in the form of the Weekender. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And you do great work with it. You cover a lot of non wwe stuff on FightfulSelect.com. That's the most direct way to support financially what we do. Uh, you can get it as low as 5 bucks a month, like a $1.25 a week. The price of a good old Sody Pop a week. Put down your 7-Up and subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. You get a lot of podcasts, and you get to hear more of Steven there, who, who does a great job, man. And I thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I always liked your work, and I was ecstatic when you were open to working with Fightful.
0: Well, I appreciate that, man. I I appreciate you guys' work, everything you guys do. The whole team over there at Fightful. I'm actually planning on having a uh, Warren Hayes on sometime soon as well. So it'll be cool to uh to get to know him a little bit and better.
1: Welcome <laughs> to the Warren Hayes Show. I'm filling in for him this week. I got to work on my. thing. Sorry to interrupt you, but I had to, I had to work on it.
0: Yeah. All good, man. Um, but thanks again, Sean. I'll uh obviously be in touch and I look forward to shooting you over this episode of The Weekender this uh this Saturday, man.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anytime you want me on, I am on. Thanks, man. Have a good one, Sean. Take care.
0: All right, everyone. Once again, that was Sean Rossap from Fightful.com. Great dude. Really appreciated having him on the show today. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, please make sure to hit the subscribe and download button. Here on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere that you like to listen to this podcast, please give me a five star rating and a review. It goes a long way. It helps the podcast out a lot. I know I say it all the time, but that is the truth. If you want to give me a follow, please do so over on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore, F I G H T T A L K underscore. Started doing more on Twitch recently, also playing some games on there. If you want to check that out, that's the same, Fight Talk underscore, twitch.tv slash Fight Talk underscore. Have some merchandise available at whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. Anything that you buy on there, money that I make there goes directly back into this podcast and the other stuff that I'm involved with. If you want to check out the Fightful Weekender podcast, like me and Sean were mentioning, that's available every Saturday over at fightfulselect.com. I do articles over at sobrosnetwork.com. I run the social media for. MMA On Point, and I've been doing video editing for them as well. I have a couple of lists that I've written uh, for them too, some videos that went up a little while back. So you can check out all that great content at YouTube. That's MMA On Point, and on Twitter, at On Point MMA, Instagram, MMA On Point. Uh, everything else, you know, I just keep my Twitter updated with all the stuff going on. So once again, Fight Talk Underscore is the best place to give me a follow there. Stay the up to date with everything going on. And of course, I want to give a shout out to my sponsor, WrestleRumble.com. Uh, I believe the Extreme Rules Pick'em Contest will be the next one so it'll be a few more weeks but they do have a um, a belt giveaway going on right now that ends in a few days so if you want to check that out jump in, jump on there right now at WrestleRumble.com they're giving away a bunch of replica title belts and it's a really cool raffle really cool concept and I'm very appreciative of uh, the long uh, deal that we've had with these guys over there at WrestleRumble.com they've been a part of the show pretty much since day one and it's always much appreciated when you guys jump over there and uh, play the contest and stuff. So once again, uh, thank you guys for listening so much. I hope you guys have a great week and take it easy.